Well, we're going to try to finish up John 17 tonight. We've been looking at the heart of Jesus, and then once we finish this, we'll probably switch something a little bit different for the rest of the summer. But I want to finish up on this beautiful, beautiful prayer that we've been just privileged to be able to um, just glimpse at the last, the last month or so. I'm going to read verses 20 through the end of the chapter. So John 17, verses 20 through the end of the chapter. If you have... Um, red ink to mark the words of Jesus in your Bible. This whole chapter is, is red ink. Neither pray I for these alone. So he's referring there to the apostles, the disciples that he's been keeping such close company with to this point. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee. And these have known that thou hast sent me, and I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it. I love that. That the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. So we're going to finish this in about 20 minutes, but as you see, just looking at it, there's so much meat to, to eat, and we won't get to do it all, but I would encourage you to meditate on this passage. This is really, if you look at the whole chapter, we can't do it tonight, look at the whole chapter. This is a crescendoing chapter. It's building. The very last thing we looked at was Christ's prayer that we be kept. We be preserved, protected, and kept. And we looked at how Christ envisions that we will be kept. Kept through joy and kept through the truth and kept through just His care and His love for us. And I want to go over all those again. It's a beautiful, beautiful uh, just unveiling to us of how Christ will keep us. And we really see now in this last little bit of what we're being kept for. So why, is, why are we being kept? Why is Christ continuing to work in us? Why is Christ praying for us that we would be kept? And why is Christ even sanctifying himself that we might be sanctified? So he says in verse 20, and this is really, really wonderful news for you and I. He says, I'm not just praying for these. I'm not just praying for the apostles. But I'm praying for all of them which will believe through their word. Now, think about Ephesians 2.20. It says, and we are the church of God, the people of God, the elect of God. We are built upon the cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ, and the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So we, because God has preserved His word, and has preserved the gospel, has preserved truth, we are of those who are believing the words of the apostles, right? The apostles who came 
to, they were witnesses of Christ's glory, and they came to spread the gospel, and the gospels continued to be spread throughout the, throughout the uh, ages by the preservation of God, by the, by the love of God for His elect. We are among those whom Jesus Christ is praying for. And He's really making two requests. Um, the two requests are this. Uh, the two requests is that we may be one, even as the Father and the Son are one. And then the second request is, I want them to come and behold my glory. And so really, in this prayer, that starts in verse 20, Christ is praying, he's going to say this, he's praying for the conversion of the elect, he's praying for our sanctification, and he's praying for our glorification. Isn't that wonderful? Let me just say, this should sound familiar. Because last Sunday, we went over 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. And what's happening there? Paul is praying for us, for the Thessalonians, that we would be wholly sanctified and preserved, blameless, unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is praying for our sanctification and our glorification. And Jesus is praying for the exact same thing. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that wonderful? So Paul has this prayer, and he has this assurance in the faithfulness of God, and we have this assurance because Jesus is praying this for us, and Jesus has won this for us. We know that God will, the Father will hear the prayer of the Son because the Son has secured that answer to prayer through His work on the cross. So we can have an assurance of the work of grace in the hearts and the lives and the minds of all of God's elect, and we have the assurance that the Spirit will continue that great work in us, and we have the assurance that Jesus Christ will return at the latter day to do what He's praying for. Friends, the only way the last part of this will be answered is if Jesus comes back and opens the grave, and then we, in our glorified state, are able to see Him unfettered, with no eyes of sin, but with our own eyes, our own glorified eyes, our immortal eyes. This is an amazing, this is the whole plan of God right here for His people. And so let me just make one point at a side. I've heard it said in the past that, that, that uh, and not here by any means, but a criticism of praying for regeneration or praying for conversion. Because the, 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 the and it doesn't, I don't want to get deeper into this. I don't think it makes any logical sense. But the, the, the thought is, well, you shouldn't pray for what God has already predestined He's going to do. Um, well, this passage right here uh, shows us that Jesus is praying for this. Jesus is praying for the conversion of those whom He, in eternity past, predestined and chose and whom He purchased their salvation on the cross, and now he says, I'm not just praying for the apostles, but I am praying for all those who will believe through their word. Isn't that something? So, so it's appropriate to pray for your children. It's appropriate to pray for all those whom the Father gave to the Son before the world began, that they might come to acknowledge and fall and um, find the great salvation that is in Jesus Christ. It's a very appropriate prayer for that. Jesus is praying for that thing, that very thing right here. 
Now, this sanctification, this, this, this prayer is going to come about through our union with Christ, as we're going to talk about, and then our knowledge of that union. And, here's, and then here's the great thing that he says twice here. So I'm praying for this, I'm praying for the sanctification for this purpose. Now, there's another purpose, but here's the purpose he's praying for. That the world may know. That the world may know that thou hast sent me, in verse 21. He repeats it in verse 23. I am them and thou and me. They may be, perf- may be perfect in one. That the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. So what is Christ praying for? I'm praying that they may be sanctified, they may be one as we are one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me. Now he's being very clear here. He's not praying for the world here. We're going to see here in a little bit. He says later, he goes, listen, Father, the world doesn't know you. But I want the world to know that thou hast sent me. Remember the Jews that required a sign? And Christ had sent so many signs by his miracles. And he goes, you would not believe if Jonah were raised from the well. But there is going to be a sign that's going to be given to you. And that's going to be the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ is risen from the grave, you're going to know that I am the Messiah, the one sent from God. Well, Jesus rose from the grave, didn't he? And what did they do? They called it a conspiracy. They did a cover-up. They paid the guards off to lie about it. Even though it was demonstrably true, and there were plenty of witnesses that, that were there, they still tried to squash the evidence. And then eventually Jesus went back to heaven, and there's nobody left to verify that point, right? After those people died, except for this. Except for this, people are still being sanctified. They're still being changed. And there is no, there is no earthly explanation for the change in the heart of the children of God and the turn in their life outside of the resurrected Christ reigning and living within. Nothing else will change true selfishness to selflessness. Nothing else will change a love for sin to a battle with sin. Nothing else will change that. And Jesus says, this is my vindication. This is my witness. This is my condemnation of the world that does not believe me because of what's happening in the lives and the hearts and the families and the homes and the churches of those whom God gave me and I loved and are coming to believe through the word of the apostles. Isn't that amazing? You, (laughs) you, and what's going on inside of you is the greatest apologetic. That's the best answer. Now, I'm not criticizing, you know, giving reasonable answers for the hope lies within us. We should be ready to do that, of course. But know this, a much greater witness, a much greater word, a much more powerful word is Christ dwelling in you. And so, brothers and sisters, 
It is, it is, um, it is imperative that we seek a close walk with Jesus Christ, isn't it? Okay, so here's the prayer. Here's the first prayer in verse 21 through 23. That they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them. (laughs) So I've, I've revealed my glory to them. That's what he's saying. The glory you gave me, I, I, I've opened it to them. That's, that's the word of 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, right? The God of this world hath blinded the eyes of those who don't believe in Jesus Christ. But the God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath what? Hath shined in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? Where's the glory of God most simply seen? In the face of Jesus Christ. And what 2 Corinthians 3 says is that where the Spirit of the Lord is, and the Spirit of the Lord is pointing us to Jesus, as we behold the face of Jesus, what happens? We are being changed from glory to glory. The more we see of Him, we've seen some of His glory, the more we see of Him, the more we're changed into that glorious image and Jesus Christ is seen and known. And so He says, Lord, I've, I've shown you that. What, a, what a gift Jesus Christ is. What a gift His life is. But here's the, great, here's the greater gift. What a gift to be able to see it. What a gift to be able to see His truth. What a gift to be able to see His righteousness. What a gift to be able to see His love. What a gift to be able to see His just condemnation of sin and then to bow before Him. To say, you're God. You're the Messiah. You are the one sent from God. So the glory you've given me, I've given them that they may be one even as we are one. So again, He's saying, I've given them this glory to to effect something in their lives. I in them and thou in me that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. So that's the three verses that says the same thing. I want them to be one, as you and I are one, that the world may know you, you sent me. And so let me just confess this. I'm just like Daddy. Uh, this exact same thing. He said several times recently. This, this passage has always been a challenge to me. Because it just seems sort of... Impossible and trite, honestly. Something like I, I've envisioned just some big campfire with all the believers in the world singing Kumbaya. And it just seems sort of trite and unrealistic. And, and, and it's not what it's saying. Here's what it's saying. I think if maybe this will be a good explanation. The key to this is I want them to be one as you and I are one. Okay? Think about the Father and the Son. So let me, let me share it this way. Three people, three individuals. One individual is a very rich person who's also very miserly and doesn't share his gifts 
with anybody, but collects them all for himself. And resents um, poor people and resents um, the taxes and just, just, just collecting more and more and more. But it's all self-focused. That's one individual. Here's another individual. They don't have a lot. They have enough, but not really a lot. But they have some money. But, but, but they also have an old car and bills. And, and they worry they worry about money incessantly. And they can never be content and never be happy because they're always worried about, do I have enough money to make it or not? And it just never leaves their mind. And so they also aren't benevolent, aren't generous. They just sort of hoard it off what they have for themselves. And yet it's never enough. They're never satisfied. They're never content. Here's the third individual. He's just a thief. He gets his money by taking it from somebody else. Okay? And that's his lifestyle. And he doesn't really worry about what he does to others. He just, he just steals. So that's three individuals that are very, very different, aren't they? And yet, really, they're the same. They're the same from this standpoint. Very different lifestyles, very different approaches, very different places, but they're all self-focused. They're not living for the Lord. They're living for themselves. And so the thief is stealing from the rich man. The rich man is not giving to the poor guy who, 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 who is needing a car repair. And the car repair guy resents them both. He's angry all the time. He's, he looks at next door app constantly. Where, where are the thieves coming from? Okay. And then Jesus Christ enters their hearts. Very different people. And, and, and the rich man realizes I keep trusting these uncertain riches. And so he stops hoarding them for himself. And he starts to, 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 to love and to give and to, and to treasure up treasures in heaven rather than in earth. And, and the, 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 middle, the middle person, he, he, he just says, you know what? I, I don't know if I'm having enough for tomorrow or not, but I know this. He, he became poor for my sake that through... His poverty, I might be made rich, and I have all blessings in Christ, and I'm, I'm just going to try to trust in Jesus Christ. And you know what? I heard about this need over here, and, and I know I don't even know where next month's going to come from exactly, but I'm gonna, I, I feel burdened to give to this need right now. And so, Lord, I, this is scary to me, but I'm doing this in faith. I'm going to trust you with this, and I'm going I'm to give this $50 to this widow in need. And, and the, thief, the thief says, you know what? I can't steal. This doesn't belong to me. Um, I need to start working. And so he goes to the plaza for a job, and it happens to be this rich man who gives him a job, and he, and he, he, he begins to, to, to give to the church, and the church, you know, you can just say the story on and on and on, right? What do you see happening here? What you see happening here, friends, are these very different people becoming sort of the same person, right? They're changing. They're becoming one. In other words, all of their focus is now turned away from self and towards the Lord. And it overflows in all kinds of different ways, including love and gratitude and contentment and, and benevolence. And, and so you can take this same analogy for money and you can run it across the spectrum. Here's the thing, friends, as we are united to the Lord Jesus Christ and as our hearts are being changed, we're becoming much more similar in the heart than we are different. 
Because God is working in all of us. And that's what Christ is praying for. Lord, make them one as you and I are one. Make them love the same things that you and I love. Give them the harmony that you and I have. Give them a love for one another that you and I have. Give them a, <clears throat> give them a trust in me that you and I have perfectly in each other. And friends, it will begin to overflow in all kinds of ways. That's why it's so, 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 so important for Christians to have family unity. And for Christians to have church unity. And for Christians to love one another with a pure heart fervently. I'm not saying tonight at all that, that, that we drop convictions on, on, on doctrinal truth. That's not it at all. But what it is is we drop, a, we drop uh, prejudices and offenses and realize that we are brothers and sisters in Christ for all those who know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We have to be that. We cannot be someone who thinks is superior to another or inferior to another. Either way, we're one in Jesus Christ. So what's happening here is that the union with Christ is changing God's people. That's the whole work of sanctification, right? God is at work changing all of his people. It appears in different shapes and different sizes and different ways. And why God does it that way in people's hearts, I don't know. But I know this, I know the end goal, the end goal for all, of, for all of the elect is that we all be one in Jesus Christ. That's what Ephesians, Ephesians 1 says. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, we he will gather together in one all things in Christ. We will all look like Jesus. Isn't that something? In you, God is working in you to look like Jesus Christ. And looking like Jesus Christ doesn't just mean that you're, you're wearing a halo. It means that, that your heart is changing. And you're loving the Lord more with your heart and soul and mind. And you're, you are, I mean, we can look at the Thessalonians. Paul says it's, it's, it's incredible what happened in Macedonia. That the people in Macedonia, it's talking about money right now, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, they began to give of their own poverty for the, to, 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 because they loved the saints at Jerusalem whom they had never met. Well, what caused the, the Macedonians to love the saints in Jerusalem? Because Christ was in me and Christ was being formed in the people in Jerusalem. And so there's a bond there, there's a connection there that is far deeper than blood or far deeper than Mutual interest. So God is working in our hearts to love Him and in loving Him, love His Son. This is what Gil says. Gil says, this is the glory of what he's doing. He says, Jesus is revealed to them. He's being formed in them. He enters into them. He takes possession of them. He communicates His grace. He grants fellowship with Himself. And He dwells in them. This beautiful words. Our union with the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, make them one. Make them like me as you and I. So we're to be made one in the same fashion or the same way as the Father and the Son have this great harmony. And of course, this will be complete in glorification. That's the next thing that he prays for in verse 24. The next prayer is, Father, I will. I love this prayer. I will. I want this. I desire this. I will that they also. Whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am. So he's not stopping in this life, is he? Thank God for that. Christ's prayer does not stop for this life. So he's not, he, he is praying that you be kept. He's praying that you be sanctified. He's praying, listen to verse 23. 
I am them and thou me that they may be made perfect in one. Again, this is how the world knows. The change, the love that you have for one another, the change in your lifestyle, the turning from idols to serve the living true God. This is how the world knows. And yet he says, I'm praying for something even more than that. I am praying. This is the whole goal. This is what Christ wants. Do you want this as much as Christ wants this? Probably not. But we will if you can really see what it's like. I will that they be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. He said, Lord, he already said, I've showed them my glory. There's more glory to come. There's more glory to be seen. I want them to see all of my glory. I want to open the whole closet and say, come and look and come and partake and come and possess and come and behold and come and touch and come and feel and come and have for your possession. I want you to have all my glory. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. I want them to see all the glory and all the love that the Father's had for the Son from before the world began. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that Jesus Christ is praying? Not just for you right now to get through tonight. But Jesus Christ is praying for your final change. He is praying for your body to be made incorruptible. (laughs) That the dead whose bodies are in the grave right now, He's praying that they would be raised incorruptible, immortal, We sang precious memories tonight. The ones that you love who are in Jesus Christ. He's praying that they will be fully clothed upon with their bodies. And that you and I will be glorified along with them. That we may all behold as one behold the glory of God. Aren't you thankful for that? Jesus is praying for heaven for us. Because Jesus has won heaven for us. And then he closes this way. O righteous Father. And I just want to say, it's such a privilege to be be an elect, isn't it? It's a privilege to be a child of God. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee. Isn't that a stunning statement? The righteous God, perfectly righteous God, good in all his ways, is hidden from a from people who have great intellect, who have made great attainments, who've accomplished much, who've lived long lives, who've had good education, they can't see the most obvious thing there, the glory of God and the righteousness of God. Oh, Father, you're the righteous one. How can you not be seen? Father, the world doesn't know you, but I know you. And those These, I'm praying for, have known that thou sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name and will declare it. Father, the world doesn't know you, but I sure know you. And I'm committed to you and I am committed to making sure that your name is not squashed out. I am committed that your name be carried on and known and made famous and trusted in and believed and seen and loved. I want people to love my Father. And so I'm going to declare your name, Lord, to them. And they're going to know you. I want them to know the love that you've loved me with. Well, how do, you, how do we know 
the love that God the Father loved the Son with? Because it's the same love that he's loved us with. If they may, if thou, the love therewith, wherewith thou hast loved me may, listen to this, may be in them. And I in them. What a blessing. What a blessing to know the Lord Jesus Christ. What a blessing to have had the name of the Father declared unto you. And to know him. And to have his love dwelling in your heart. And not just his love, but he himself dwelling in your hearts. And so Paul would praise, it's one of the prayers of camp, oh Lord, he would pray, let Christ dwell in their hearts by faith. That they may be rooted and grounded in love. The great love wherewith he has loved us. Brothers and sisters, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you you know a love that is otherworldly. You are loved more than you ever, 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 ever could imagine. Christ is praying for you to be kept. Christ is praying for the conversion of all his elect. Christ is praying for our sanctification. Christ is praying for our glorification. And Christ's prayer will be heard because Christ is the righteous one who came low in the volume of the book that is written, I come to do thy will, O God. And the Father was pleased with the work of the Son and, and, and received him back into heaven. Aren't you thankful to know more the heart of Jesus? <laughs> I, I hope the Lord Jesus Christ, I, I hope that we will be, have a great fear of God that's reverential. But you need to know the heart of Jesus for his people. It's amazing. It's unspeakable. Thank God for this unspeakable gift.